When it comes to sex, let's be honest. We all have questions. Am I doing it right? Is it supposed to feel this way? Why don't I care about sex? And the big one, what is normal sex? Trust me, these are legit questions. So I found Dr. Jenny Schuyler, sex therapist extraordinaire, to answer the questions we always wanted to ask but didn't. And she has some questions too, good ones. I'm Kim Kaplan, and this is the Modern Pleasure Podcast. One of the biggest things that happen for men is that they are under a set of beliefs and assumptions around how they're supposed to be showing up in the bedroom. And oftentimes their partner doesn't have that expectation, but they believe it to be true. And therefore they're overwhelmed by it. They don't want to actually verify it because they're afraid of finding out the truth that it is really a thing for their partner. And so they live in silence around it. One of the biggest things I find when men go home and have a transparent conversation with their partner is that they go, oh, I never realized my partner is insecure about this and worries about this and was wondering about that. And it pretty quickly levels the playing field in terms of expectation because it's just two people figuring out their own messy, complicated way to feeling comfortable in their skin. Hello, and welcome back to the Modern Pleasure Podcast. Happy to have Dr. Jenny's husband, Daniel, back. Um, We're not going to get too personal this time, Daniel, I promise. I think we're going to talk a little bit more about your expertise when it comes to um, therapy. And um, I'm going to let your wife sort of uh, dive in because she knows your practice much better than I do. So give us that elevator pitch of, of what it is that you specialize in and how can we help some people today? I help men understand their body and sexual functioning to allow them to have more clarity and competence in the bedroom and out. And so helping understand across the board how to be more in tune with themselves is the core of what I do. So when you say in the bedroom and out, this just popped into my head. Um, Are they equally important or do you think one is more important for the other one to be as important in terms of their success? I think sex is the loudest symptom, but not the root. So the root of the issues, I think, are oftentimes outside of the bedroom, but sex is the most glaring and insecure place it shows up. The way I framed it, it's actually one of my questions, was what typically happens for men, and they'll call as an individual and or as a relationship. So sometimes it shows up as a couple Mm -hmm. and then you're doing similar work, but it's couples therapy. What'd you say? Absolutely. Yeah. But it's the tip of the iceberg, right? The penis is the tip of the iceberg. And then the question is what else lives beneath the iceberg underwater? Because they come in, my penis doesn't work. Help. Right. Or some, some sort of symptom to their male sexual functioning doesn't work. And it's usually more than that. Well, one of the ways I describe it and, um, I I use the phrase, your penis is a lightning rod. It's going to pick up all of the things that you're ignoring and you're trying to bypass intellectually and your body is going to notice even if your mind is trying to shut something out. And so sometimes your, your penis not working in the right way 
is the tell that something else is off. And the body's brilliant. It's maybe protecting you yeah. from pregnancy or the wrong partner or from too much. Or your own pieces that are getting in the way that you need to look at. And you would keep trying to engage in a pattern or a habit that isn't working for you. And your body's trying to slow you down. So let's talk on a mental level, because obviously there are mental reasons for this, but there's also physical reasons for it, too, including, you know, um, prostate issues and and the such. But on a mental issue, just like I'm going to just kind of do a comparison as a woman, you know, the mental issue with libido for me, like I just when last season talking to Dr. Jenny about libido, I realized that it wasn't necessarily my libido. It was the block that I had in my mind, in my head mentally that kept me from advancing in a way that, uh, that was definitely helpful to my marriage and to our sex life. So when, when men, cause you know, there was somebody had said something, well, it's easy for men to get, you know, to have sex or to feel sexy because they have this, like you said, this light, lightning rod, this 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 measure of you know of of arousal that is visual. Where women, it's really all mental, you know, to get there. So when somebody comes to you and they're not able to, I'm, I'm assuming they're not either able to have an erection or get aroused. And you say it's it can stem mentally. Is that psychotherapy i mean is that counseling i mean how do you get from here to you know an erection i'm going to just say that so i think one of the first things i dispel whenever i'm talking to men is that thinking with the other head is not thinking at all is a myth um even though that is a commonly thrown out there thing the issue with it is that i think it 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 doesn't speak to the reality of the situation around men and sex. And there's a reason why the recreational use or the non-medical use of Viagra and other PDE5 erection aid drugs is skyrocketing is um, because men do struggle with sex a lot more than there's any cultural acknowledgement. And so I would say, I think there are definitely, you know, you always have to screen for anything physiological that might be going on, right? So um, prostate cancer is an obvious um, example of where sexual functioning can shift, but also um, cardiovascular issues. Um, So anytime I'm working with men who are struggling with erectile functioning, one of the things I'm always encouraging them to do and is part of the screening process is seeing their primary care physician and then a cardiologist or um, also an endocrinolo- endocrinologist or um, a, um, a urologist. It really depends on exactly what they're navigating, but having a medical screening goes a long way to see if there's anything physiological happening. But the psychological is really... Um, the majority of the cases that I see. Um, and men know. Yeah. I, I screen all the phone calls and then I will either 
take them myself or hand them off to Daniel. I, I decide on that screening phone call who is best for this person. And by and large, when men call, I ask the question, but they know in the phone call, do you struggle with this, especially with erection issues? Do you struggle with this alone or just in partnership? And and they know, like, yeah, my penis works just fine and I'm alone. So it's not the penis that's the problem, it's my psyche. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes it's there's so much anxiety that it does leak into self-pleasure as well. Yeah. And so then, you know, we're looking at a different level of anxiety, but it's still important, certainly at that point, to do the medical screening. So I just wanted to jump in at that. Absolutely. I agree with that. So when you're talking like anxiety that that creates the problem and then anxiety that exasperates the problem because you're having that initial anxiety overall. So I can see where that would be a a very difficult um, thing to navigate as, you know, uh, as a male. My husband does not have that problem at all. So I don't I don't have any experience in this. I may have in a past relationship, but I don't want to talk about that. So what in terms of how you treat this issue, um, is it necessary to bring if there's a partner involved, is it necessary to bring the partner into the conversation or how do you go about this? Is it a pretty private discussion? It really depends on the situation. Um, Sometimes part of the anxiety is the dynamic with the partner, the tension around sex, the pressure around sex, the um, expectations, the assumptions, um, the storyline that the couple has created around how sex is supposed to look like. Sometimes that is the conversation that needs to shift in order for the man to feel comfortable, relaxed in his body and be able to move towards a positive sexual space. Other times, this is an issue that has been present for many relationships before. And it's really about just understanding why this continues to play out, what's impacting them on an individual level. And then one of the things I like when working with men who are in a partnership, but when it isn't about the relationship itself, is that a lot of the experiences about being expressive and open with what you're wanting and needing. And if as a therapist, I'm helping facilitate them advocate for that, it's, it, it becomes a crutch sometimes as opposed to they feel empowered to go home and have the conversation with their girlfriend or their boyfriend or their spouse and say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. A thing I would really like to do is this. Let me walk you through this technique. Because then they feel a sense of mastery when they're previously feeling a sense of struggle or insecurity or inadequacy. And so feeling empowered in that way is a great part of the solution um, in terms of treatment. What also you're saying in that, Daniel, is... um we want to empower people to be their own expert on their own life. Absolutely. Mm. We're not the expert on that, right? Yes, we are. And we're not. Right. You know, we're helping them to be their own expert. So in my experience, men have a difficult time talking about any issue that may be going on with their body. Um, So when you say that you're empowering them 
to take control of this, and if it does include a partner, I just want to clarify this、um, because this is what I think I heard you saying. So, if a man, if somebody comes to you, but it's just them specifically, but it is a situation that involves a partner, are you giving them that confidence to be able to talk about it with their partner when otherwise they would not feel confident or comfortable doing that? Is yes, that part of、absolutely. the solution? It's a big part of it, and、um, because one of the biggest things that happen for men is that they are under a set of beliefs and assumptions around how they're supposed to be showing up in the bedroom, and oftentimes their partner doesn't have that expectation, but they believe it to be true, and. Therefore, they're overwhelmed by it. They don't want to actually verify it because they're afraid of finding out the truth that it is really a thing for their partner, and so they live in silence around it. And one of the biggest things I find when men go home and have a transparent conversation with their partner is that they go, "Oh, I never realized my partner is insecure about this and worries about this and was wondering about that," and it. Pretty quickly levels the playing field in terms of expectation because it's just two people figuring out their own messy, complicated way to feeling comfortable in their skin, and having that conversation breaks so much of the expectation and pressure, and also is really hard for men to wrap their head around. Well, yeah, because it's a masculinity thing, right? And so you know, when you're feeling like you don't have. That power,、um, you know, the power of the penis.、Um, then, of course, it's emas-、uh, it's emasculating. I wanted to kind of jump off into another question. This is、uh, on a personal level. I have、um, a cousin who I'm very close to. Her husband was just diagnosed with prostate cancer and had surgery, and he's terrified of not being able to. Um, get an erection. I mean, absolutely terrified. And they had some questions. They knew that I was going to be talking to you today, and one of them came from her, and one of the questions came from him. And I'm going to start with his question, which is, "How do you get over the mental issue if you can't get an erection and not feel less than a man?" It's a. I mean, that's a that's a drawn out answer.、Um, You know, I've talked to men for many, many months post、uh, post surgery, and the thing I will say is one: all men are far more than their penis, and、um, there's a variety of, of ways of having sex that don't involve a penis, and there's a variety of ways of connecting around intimacy that doesn't even have have anything to do with sex. So. Just realize that there's a multitude of options if if sex isn't an option. Can I jump in with that too?、Mm-hmm. And that's validated. This is a heterosexual relationship,、mm-hmm. and so I can say, and, and we are as well. You know, men feel more despondent about the loss of their erection than their female partners usually, right? Like I'm not not always not always, but.、Um, When you say you are more than your penis, right? I didn't marry him for his penis, right? I married him for him. And you ask most wives that, like, 
Right. That, so I think that's an important part of the equation. Well, and that was yeah. her question was how can she make him feel supported and loved and reassured? Like how, you know, in this situation. So why don't you finish answer one and then we go to answer to her question. Well, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think that's, I, I think I, I would say what, what other part of that question can I answer more fully? Is he more than his penis? I mean, he's, 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 how does he, I mean, there's a grief process is what I experience. Yes. There, if you don't have your erection anymore, there is a grief process and a new normal. And yes, you are more than your penis. And yes, there's all these different ways to connect and to be creative. Um, and that's and, kind of a part of this other question was how, what are those other ways to make him feel sexy and appealing, even if he can't get an erection? What I will say is that usually post-surgery, it isn't an all or nothing experience for men. It's usually a a shade of gray in Mm. terms of sexual functioning. And so I think the biggest thing is remaining curious about working with different options. So for some men, they do rely on Viagra or Cialis, but with medication, they're able to get an erection. Other men, they turn to penis pumps or um, I would say sort of the the last um, resort for a lot of men is Stendra, which is the injection um, that will almost always produce an erection. A lot of men struggle with the sensations and notice a major shift in pleasurable experience, but it is an erection. So... There's, I'll throw in one more, actually, yeah. that was a really creative new one for me, <clears throat> was a man who opted for, um, and none of these work, by the way, um, for wearing a dildo, a strap-on yeah. harness, because even though his penis um, did not have an erection, he still had pleasure from the sensation of his flaccid penis in a different sexual activity, and then he had the psychological pleasure of seeing himself penetrate his partner, mm-hmm. um, even though it was a harness. So it was a sexy visual for him. Like he had her from behind and he was still penetrating her the way he used to, even though it was a harness. So the psychological sexiness was very important for him. So I just want to add that into that mix. That's well, and I'll, I'll go a step further just to, to add to that, which is the power of the brain with regards to sexual functioning. Right. So there's a reason why adolescent boys tend to have wet dreams. It's not because they're masturbating in their sleep. It's that, the power of their brain to produce an orgasm through thought and biochemical process alone um, indicates that pleasure and um, orgasm are possible in a variety of ways. We oftentimes just get very um, narrow in our thinking around how to access it. I love our wheelchair users as a prime example of that. Yeah. I had a wonderful mentor who once said, you know, he was teaching the class about recalibrating his org. He's a wheelchair user. Um, and he was able to have an orgasm through his ear because he had no sensation from the waist down based on where his brake was for his um, spinal cord. But his orgasm through his ear was super powerful. And wow. just the human body to heal and to rewire our nerve endings and our pleasure was miraculous. That's, so you know, we know, I always a, use him as an example. We talked a little yeah. bit about that, and that's just fascinating to me, um, which is just amazing. You know, when you think about what the body is capable of doing, 
Um, well, those are those are great answers, and um, you know, this is pretty new. I think his surgery was just like a couple weeks ago, so he's you know still in that phase of will it or won't it, you know. And I feel the, I feel for him. The, the The biggest thing I'll say also is um, I think it's easy to feel a sense of despair if things are not immediately working the way you expect them to. And it is oftentimes a drawn out process of trial and error um, and things change over time. Okay. And so what, what is possible a few weeks after surgery might be very different than what's possible a few months after surgery. And I think this is where the psychological piece comes in for a lot of men is the power of belief can absolutely impact and shut down your body. Uh, but if instead you remain open-minded and curious around exploration, things shift sometimes inexplicably or based off of a new discovery. And so I, I would just say that's the biggest thing I would encourage him to keep an open mind around what kind of sensation is possible. And if things aren't working the way he expects them to at one point, doesn't mean that's going to be true down the road as well. That's great advice. Good. I also remember um, a lecture by a wonderful sex therapist who specializes in cancer and cancer recovery. And what she had said that has always stuck out in my mind is especially if you're post-op and it's pretty soon post-op the way he is, um, if you don't use it, you lose it, which we've, mm -hmm. we've all heard. Um, but she's like, get those PD-5 inhibitors, right? The, Vi the Viagra, the Labrita, Cialis, get them in soon and practice with your own hand and a good lube and just like get it going, get it flowing, especially when there's no pressure. Not to say that partner sex should be pressure because hopefully it's not, but there's a new normal now. So it can feel awkward yeah. and a little more pressure filled. So just get into a modality of some self-pleasure with your PD-5s inhibitors and see what happens. Yeah. Good advice. That's what I would say to him specifically. Yeah, yeah. Good advice. Yeah. Um, so before we wrap up, uh, one more question for you. Biggest challenge as a male sex therapist? So that's a great question. Thanks. Um, I came up with it myself. Brilliant. <laughs> I know. I answered it. I, fi I figured it was better for me to ask instead of the wife asking her husband, which she probably already knows the answer to. <laughs> That's a good question. Do you know the answer to this? Yeah, Jenny, do you? Um, We're going to put her on the hot seat. I suppose I could answer for you and then you could have your answer. Um, biggest challenge. I know that the biggest challenge I have with him being a male sex therapist <laughs> is that I get a lot of calls for female therapists thinking men are unable to be a, compa a compassionate place of, of inquiry and safety. Um, and so for I a female to, client, for a female patient, even males, right? Oh. They're used to therapists being female, right? Nurturing, soft, tender, right? And I have to say, like, yeah, like you're not going to get, you know, Nurse Daniel, right? Um, thinking of like Nurse Droid from, you know, you get more like Nurse Droid <laughs> from <laughs> Star Wars. I don't know if you've seen the Mandalorian, yeah. but it's yeah. like, I'm here for you. Yeah. Um, you're definitely compassionate, but it's a different, it, no, it is not a female. And that's wonderful because he's going to give you a different experience. Mm -hmm. And I think men, 
at the end of the day, really love having a male sex therapist, especially for male things and masculinity issues. I think it's a great fit. I, I don't even see men anymore around these things. They just refuse. I'm like, if you don't want Daniel, go somewhere else because honestly, I think he's the best. I'm biased. But um, so selling the fact that a man can do therapy well has been my challenge, I'll say. But I'm curious your perspective. I'll speak to that and then I'll, I'll answer directly. Um, one of the things I see is that men struggle to feel like co-pilots in relationships and in the emotional realm and abdicating all of the emotional space and psychological space to their partners means that both parties are overwhelmed because nobody knows how to do a hundred percent of everything. Hmm. And so I absolutely agree with what you're saying. Um, And I I think it's really valuable for men to be able to feel some competency in the emotional realm to answer directly around what I see as the biggest challenge as a male sex therapist. I would say there's two pieces. One, I think there's a balance around helping men understand where they've been held back um, by cultural beliefs, narratives, storylines um that um what you don't know can hurt you emotionally has a lot of truth and so i think building a lot of the buy-in and not because i think oftentimes men want to bypass the underlying pieces and just fix the symptom but not the root Mm. and the problem is it'll pop up somewhere else So I think that's one of the challenges. The other challenge I'll say is that as I help men build a voice and an awareness of what they want and need sexually, an understanding of what's going on in their body and how they really want to be able to navigate a relationship, it is very challenging for a female partner to have initial buy-in in the long run it's a much more balanced relationship and a much happier relationship because everybody feels excited about uh, the the power of two people working together to create something bigger than themselves. But the change can be really scary. And so to have a male sex therapist advocating for a man to go home and tell his female partner, here's what we're going to be doing different sexually is a little bit of like, who is this guy telling you to tell me how sex should be happening? Right. Why is that safe for me? Yeah. And a lot of the work in terms of navigating that challenge is helping men understand what they're trying to shift and why it's important and how it's going to benefit both parties. And when men can understand how both parties benefit from that, then they can go home and like, here's the, here is the incentive for us to work on it comes from a totally different place. than my therapist told me, these are the things that you need to change about how we're having sex, <laughs> which I'm sure that, that never which works I'm out sure well. happens. Right. Because that's my, my message has been misinterpreted <laughs> a few times. Yes. I can see that. Wow. Well, that's really interesting. Is there anything else you'd like to add that maybe, Jenny, is there any other questions that we should ask your husband? Mm, 
I mean, we could go down so many different rabbit holes. We barely touched premature ejaculation or mm-hmm. nervous system or, um, yeah. you know, I'll just say this. I know it's a, it's a plug for ourselves, but you know, if you are listening and you do want to go down this rabbit hole, Daniel has made two great videos, one on premature ejaculation, one on erectile dysfunction, mm. literally called solving erectile dysfunction or solving premature ejaculation. And I think what you do a great job of is just spelling out why and how it happens. The impact of the whole body, the nervous system, the mind, the body, all that, that the intersection of all of those, and then very practical solutions, which I was hoping to get more into today, but we go into other fun asides. So maybe a bonus episode. But in the meantime, if you are really struggling and there's so many people out there really struggling, um, you know, there's some solutions out there for you. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think a bonus episode would be great on that. And maybe, you know, we can we can get some questions um, that you can give answers to. Absolutely. Like, I'm, I'm like happy that. to do that. Um, yeah. I like but I, I agree with, I mean, what you're saying, which is I think um, there are solutions out there. I think oftentimes um, there are um, worries and doubts that it'll ever get better. And I work with men who the moment somebody speaks to an understanding of what's happening, their sense of relief increases tenfold. Because the idea that what's happening makes sense, and when they can begin to wrap their head around why it's happening, they don't feel as powerless to the the situation. And that's the biggest thing, is that there is hope, there are solutions out there, and um, whether it's working with me or a variety of other amazing places, educating yourself and how your body works and what is happening for you and and how to navigate being able to relax your body so you can enjoy pleasure um, is the biggest thing I can do to advocate for the well-being around men and sexual functioning. There are solutions. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. And to steal from Dan Siegel, who I love as a, as a psychotherapist and author, it's the making sense process that feels very empowering. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Good job, you guys. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. And we will um, see you next time on the Modern Pleasure Podcast. 